It's November 20th, 2013, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ran Ozawa, and we cover the geek beat here on Hawaii Public Radio. First, we'll look at the latest tech news and happenings in Hawaii and beyond. And joining us today is Omar Sultan from Sultan Ventures to tell us about the upcoming Startup Paradise VC Summit. Finally, we will talk all about WordPress. Questions you're afraid to ask, you can get them answered here on the air. We'll have some tips and suggestions as well on creating a great website or blog. Be ready to call in or tweet, but first, the headlines. Well, the health of the world's coral reefs is of great concern to scientists, with conservation efforts largely focused on coral species deemed rare or endangered. But a new study led by researchers at the University of Hawaii suggests that the most abundant corals are especially threatened. Working with colleagues from NOAA and the Joint Institute for Marine and Atmospheric Research, UH biologist Charles Birkeland took, um, took a look at historical extinctions and recent major events to conclude that natural selection can also lead to greater vulnerability to climate change. Almost all prior assessments and evaluations of the risk of extinction for a species of coral are made on the basis of how scarce or restricted the geographic range is. But the study, published in the journal Bioscience, takes a look at the bigger picture. The past 10,000 years have actually been good for corals, the researchers note, allowing species like table, elkhorn, and staghorn coral to expand rapidly. But they said that these corals, quote, have taken an easy road to living a rich and dominating life. They have thin tissues and are light in carbon and nitrogen and more porous skeletons, and all corals face stress that could affect their future reproductive success. With climate change and increasing carbon dioxide in oceans, corals could see mortality rates that are independent of their level of ab- levels of abundance. Birkeland and his team say uh, that even species that can survive in a broad geographic range are not safe. As a result, localized conservation efforts are not enough, requiring a more global approach to the problem. Now, when you think about this, uh, and, you know, there's analogies that occur here, right here in our own backyard. And and I think you could compare this to what's happening with the native species of plants here in Hawaii, because over the, you know, millennium, uh, they haven't really had a whole lot of competition. And, the you know, the environment is comfortable nice uh, sunshine and, and warm weather. So the plants basically evolved so that they didn't have a lot of defenses right, right. Uh, against you know any kind of, uh, of threat. I think that's similar to what's happening in the oceans. Well, I mean, the way it's described is, you know, safety in numbers, not really. Um, and the fact of the matter is these corals grew quickly and the fast growth might have been a defense against uh, predation or storms or warm currents. So they grew really, really fast, but not necessarily strong or with defenses mm-hmm. that specifically would address things like carbon dioxide levels or the temperature of the water. So uh, the fact of the matter is, even though we might be focusing a lot on specific corals that might disappear completely, uh, it does, again, raise that specter of enough climate change and everything could change very quickly for a vast amount of coral all at once. Right, and I think the the key point there is that the climate change effects are happening in more... uh, near-term time as opposed to geologic time. Right? right. So it's not over tens of thousands of years. I mean, it's happening right in our own lifetime. And uh, less than a month ago, we covered a story where they talked about uh, the warming waters and the effects of climate change are basically recorded now in every region of the ocean. So it's not a local problem at mm-hmm. all. An unusually high number of tiger shark attacks off Maui early this year triggered a state-funded study into the movements and behavior of the sharks. The first phase of that work is well underway, with 15 tiger sharks caught and tagged around the Valley Isle. 
Eight of those sharks were equipped with satellite transmitters to track their movements, and now the public can look up the locations and track the movements of those sharks on a website. Well, the research team is based at the Hawaii Institute of Marine Biology, and their data was made public via the Pacific Islands Ocean Observing System, established in 2007 to cover one of the largest regions in the National Network of 11 programs. William Isla, chair of the State Department of Land and Natural Resources, said in a statement, it's good to see the Maui Shark Tracking Project off to a good start. Uh, and that the new PAC IUS website will give the public an opportunity to become more familiar with the behavior of sharks in Hawaii's waters. The website notes that it is not a warning system, nor does it provide real-time monitoring. The tags on the sharks only intermittently report their location as the shark's dorsal fin breaches the water surface, and that location may be off by over a mile. Still, the data collected will allow the scientists to determine whether the sharks found around Maui are more sight-attached or stay in one area or travel among islands, as well as to determine if they are more likely to venture inshore. Now, we will be sure to put this uh, link up on our website but uh, or the uh, show notes, uh, but it's a pretty cool site. You can go on it, and you can let the, the map uh, display the travels of, I think, one of, I think, 13 or so sharks that they've already tagged, and then you, you can sort of see the um, the movement in the area, mostly around Maui and, and Lanai. Now, it's interesting because, of course, I think even the Huffington Post uh, article kind of was like, so shark number six is over here on Maui and then moves over here and stuff. The fact of the matter is that it's not current. But still, I think that there is a public uh, value to sort of see this history, see that these sharks are there, um, not to necessarily scare people out of the water, but to just raise that, that mental awareness that it is there environment. In fact, a lot of people take issue with the the phrase tiger shark attacks because it's sort of us playing around in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I I like the uh, fact that the uh, graph will show you sort of the relative time between when they actually tagged the shark and over the course of, you know, even as current as I think uh, maybe a, a t- couple days ago. Right. So it's a, it's a pretty neat little uh, graphic representation. Yeah, and they do plan to add more sharks and you'll see more data on mm-hmm. that page. Well, next up, the uh, Hawaii engineering firm has received a uh, $3.6 million contract from the Hawaii Natural Energy Institute and the Office of Naval Research to continue its research in ocean thermal energy conversion, or OTEC, which aims to tap one of the largest potential energy sources on the Earth. Makai Ocean Engineering will use the funds to uh, upgrade its ocean Energy Research Center in Kona, already one of the world's largest O-Tech research facilities. The company plans to design and test new technologies and ultimately connect its O-Tech plant to the Hawaii Island electric grid. O-Tech uses the temperature difference between cooler deep water and warmer surface waters using a heat exchanger to drive a turbine that generates electricity. The new contract is aimed at improving heat exchanger technology. Heat exchangers alone make up a third of the cost of an O-Tech plant, so Makai Ocean Engineering will build a a new system that is lower cost, corrosion resistant, and has better performance than the current one. It will then drive a new 100 kilowatt turbine, which the company hopes will be able to contribute to the local power grid. Well, if the system goes online as scheduled uh, next year, the Kona facility will become the largest operational OTEC plant in the world and the first closed cycle system connected to an American electrical grid. Joseph Wang, a senior scientist over at NOAA, said in a statement, 1% of the energy stored in the ocean is more than 100 to 1,000 times more than the current consumption of worldwide energy. The potential is huge. There is not many other renewable energy that can be compared with OTEC. Now, the um, 
you know, the technology that is uh, being used here is that they, of course, they take the differential in surface water and the uh, deep sea water, and they actually like a, like have ammonia in a in, in think of it like a radiator, and this warm water is is actually expanding the ammonia, which then turns some turbines. Uh, but the interesting thing is that it's very expensive because right. apparently the metal that they have to use is uh, has to be something like. Um, uh, titanium, mm. and also again, although it is, they, they say you know the ocean is the Earth's largest solar collector, and so there's a lot of energy stored in the ocean. But uh, to extract it at a scale that is useful to mm-hmm. utility is is also very prohibitively expensive. They actually been studying OTEC on the Big Island since 1974. Um, they had a 250 kilowatt plant operating there for six years in the 90s. So. To get this 100-kilowatt one is not quite as much as what we were doing before, but certainly the technology has advanced quite a bit since then. But a lot of people are involved in it. Obviously, the appeal is there, the Navy, UH, uh, Lockheed Martin, and this is funded by a number of groups, including the National Science Foundation and the Office of Naval Research. So what uh, the uh, uh, Makai Ocean Engineering folks are doing is that they're actually building a test facility that Mm -hmm. allows them to test a multitude of of, uh, different kinds of uh, implementation. Right. So and not only their own, but others. And not only that, Nelha, which administers the site, is still talking about a one megawatt uh, OTEC system from a company on the mainland, mm. too. So they're continuing to explore it. Kaka'ako continues to draw Hawaii's next generation of entrepreneurs and creatives with another co-working space aiming to open there by next fall. Pacific Business News reported last week that Impact Hub Honolulu will be joining a global network of 40 locations on six continents. Impact Hub Honolulu is co-founded by Chinua Farnsworth, Managing Director of Blue Startups and Hawaii Angels, and Shana Trevana, founder of Smart Sustainability Consulting and president of the Sustainability Association of Hawaii. Well, the local impact hub will have access to about 8,000 square feet of space as part of the Hawaii Community Development Authority office on Cook Street. That is enough room for up to about 150 co-working members and three anchor tenants, including uh, Trevena and her staff of eight. Trevena told PBN that the goal is to create a number of sustainable businesses and that a launch event is planned for next spring, where members of the San Francisco Impact Hub will come to Honolulu to introduce the concept to our local community. Impact Hubs are described as part innovation lab, part business incubator, and part community center. Formerly branded as simply hubs, there are now over 7,000 members of this organization around the world, including developers, designers, artists, educators, and makers. Impact Hub Honolulu will expand the co-working options in Kaka'ako, which include the Box Jelly on Kamani Street and R&D Inter-Island Terminal on Oahe Street. Also, the former uh, location for the Greenhouse Innovation Hub will be a Zen Bank, which is also a uh, co-working space. Yeah, so there's a, a number of co-working spaces uh, uh, you know, already in existence uh, at the, in the Kaka'ako area, and I guess this Impact Hub is, is another addition to that. And, you know, we did our Icon Local event over at the Community Foundation, I mean the um, uh, Community Development Authority, and they had a very nice large conference, conference room, room, and I right, think maybe right. that conference room might be repurposed for this uh, co-working facility. Well, it's interesting also how the stories are told, uh, Trevena telling uh, PBN, you know, they were looking for an office, but they only had a small number of staff, and why not join forces with other people? That's essentially how co-working uh, spaces come together. In fact, it was just last week that uh, they started expanding the box jelly, mm-hmm. because uh, they're getting anchor tenants, they're, they're adding 1,000 feet to their 4,500 or so square feet. So, um, you know, there's... Th- in this case, there is benefit in numbers, and if you have a number of small uh, people who need workspaces, why not band together mm-hmm, and, and, mm-hmm. and work collectively? Well, I think to the benefit of uh, you know uh, this uh, impact hub, I mean, they did have the opportunity to work.
work with the uh, uh, community authorities. So, I mean, that's kind of a nice space that's already kind of built out. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, here's a couple of quick items we wanted to uh, uh, share with you that's on our tech calendar. Today after the show is the monthly Wetware Wednesday meetup taking place over at Fa, Fa Vet, a uh, restaurant over in Manoa Marketplace. This month's mixture for software developers and system engineers is sponsored by the UH College of Engineering and will include a preview of tomorrow's Hawaii Digital Government Summit. For more information, you can visit htdc.org. Or just start heading into Manoa now. Uh, and this Saturday brings the annual open house for the UH Department of Physics and Astronomy. This event is free and open to the public. It will be held on the Manoa campus from 8.30 a.m. to noon. High school students and teachers are invited to attend. They will be using 10 sites in Watanabe Hall and one in Krauss Annex for presentations and demonstrations on physics and astronomy research by UH faculty and students. And finally, we wanted to share with you that the Lion Arboretum is having their annual holiday plant and craft sale this uh, weekend over at Lion Arboretum. Same and, day. Yeah, yeah and then and, uh, if you are looking for that special plant, uh, Lion Arboretum always has a great set of ornamentals as well as native plants, and it's a great selection. There's a great bunch of people to uh, go and, and uh, participate, uh, especially when this plant and craft sale. And now joining us in the studio is uh, Omar Sultan from Sultan Ventures, and he's here to tell us about the upcoming startup Startup Paradise VC Summit, and uh, we want to welcome you, Omar, to the show. Hi, Bert. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, uh, Sultan uh, Ventures is has actually been pretty deep in the fabric of the local startup community for some time, although it might not be as familiar a name for uh, for some people. Tell me a little bit more about what uh, the the venture, what your venture group does. Sure. Um, well, thanks for uh, those kind words. So our venture group actually works with startups and entrepreneurs to help catalyze their business ideas and their startup growth, as well as the other side of the table with investors, so angel investors, venture capitalists, to help them do due diligence, deal sourcing, deal flow, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we're actually associated with is the venture fund that spins out uh, technologies from the University of Hawaii, the Upside Fund. And so we do all the diligence there, and you know, with Barry Wyman and myself, we we help run that venture fund. Now there was a startup weekend event uh, a couple of weeks ago over at the Shiler School of Business. Yep. Were you guys uh, involved with that? Yes, we were involved both on the sponsorship level, um, you know, providing uh, support in that in that respect, mm-hmm. as well as. Uh, providing mentorship, and we were judges for both the Breakthrough Innovation Challenge that Pace puts on, as well as the Startup Weekend that Pace puts on. Yeah, that was a kind of an interesting um, twist to Startup Weekend in that they were kind of focusing around opportunities that m- might result from IP coming out of the university. Yeah, exactly. It's entirely different, uh, you know, so to speak, from the one that happens uh, generally mm-hmm. in Honolulu, where it's uh, it's not so much focused as on the technologies that are coming out of the university. And this one, as much as possible, it's either you know centered around the students of the university or ideas that come out of the university. So it's very much university-focused. So you have this upcoming event, the Startup Paradise VC Summit. First of all, I would have, have to ask, Startup Paradise, are you saying something there? So the the whole idea behind uh, Startup Paradise is, you know, in the, in California, they have Silicon Valley. In the Midwest, they have Silicon Prairie. And so we thought about what is the best way to kind of help brand Hawaii as a, as a startup paradise. And, well, you know, what better way to I brand see. it than to, mm-hmm. to use those exact terms. And so we really want to showcase to the world and to, you know, the people in Hawaii that you really can um, – build a high-growth startup right here in Hawaii. Yeah, no, that's great. And so tell us a little bit about what is going to happen at this sort of VC summit. 
Okay. Um, well, the VCU Summit is going to be held December 4th at the Sheraton Waikiki. Uh, I must say, if you haven't purchased your tickets yet, uh, Are they going fast? Are they going fast? They're going very fast. And there's only one week left for early registration. Okay. So now is, the def- now is definitely the time to register if you haven't already. At the event, it's going to be a day packed with um, investors, with entrepreneurs, with startups, and with pitches. So really from kind of top down to the bottom, it's there's going to be a crowdfunding workshop. We're going to have a, a panel that discusses that exact initiative in terms of Startup Paradise. We're going to have a keynote speak, uh, a keynote speech by Don Dodge, which mm-hmm. is a Google Ventures advisor. And we're actually very, very fortunate to have him come out to Hawaii and, and do the keynote speech. We've heard he's a, a phenomenal speaker, and uh, he's going to talk about the latest trends in the industry. Um, and then last but not least, we're also going to have Demo Day. So for the first time, we're combining both the VC Summit and the Demo Day pitches into one action-packed day. And so startups out of uh, the Blue Startups cohort are going, who are graduating, uh, they're going to be pitching their products and their companies, as well as teams that have just been accepted into the Energy Accelerator. Uh, so these are their growth companies. I, I was curious, uh, who, who do you have uh, planned on the panel for talking about Blue Star, uh, um, the uh, Startup Paradise? We're going to have a whole uh, number of uh, different like community members. Uh, so the panel actually isn't finalized just yet, ah. but we're definitely going to have some exciting speakers. Okay, so. good. good. Now, um, who, it sounds like tickets are going fast. I, my question would be, who is drawn to this? Who are you looking to be in the audience uh, for these great panels and these, these great conversations? So anyone that is involved in the startup and entrepreneurial community uh, is, is, should definitely come out and definitely be involved. Uh, we're bringing in mainland vent investors. We're also bringing in the local investors. And the whole event is around building the community of, uh, you know, around entrepreneurship here in the state. And I would imagine there's an opportunity in the hallways and the, the, the entryways and the near, near, nearby coffee shops to do your networking and meet interesting people? Absolutely. In fact, in the agenda itself, we've, we've factored in two networking sessions where people can kind of just hurry up and talk about um, different ways they can partner together. Now, it's exciting to hear that the, uh, the demo day is going to be combined with this because uh, the demo day is – you know, the, the second cohort, and they're going to get up there, and they're going to talk about, you know, what they've come up with. And I would love to attend that. In fact, I think last year we had a couple of folks come in who were well represented, uh, you know, as a result of Demo Day. And I, we, I think we'd like, probably like to do the same thing uh, this go-around. So I want to keep a kind of close tab on, you know, who gets the kind of the nod as a result of Demo Day. Yeah, excellent. So where can someone go to find out more information to get these uh, fast, dwindling tickets? <laughs> so, uh, so there's two ways. They can email us directly at events at saltandventures.com, or they can go direct to the Eventbrite. So 2013hawaiivcsummit.eventbrite.com. Okay, so we'll be sure to include that link as well on Absolutely. the show notes. Well, thanks, Omar, for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And that's what's been happening this week. We'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by John LeBlanc and Justin Hidani. And they'll both share their tips and tricks to creating a great website using WordPress. In fact, do people blog anymore and why WordPress over other platforms? We'd, of course, love your thoughts or questions as part of the conversation. Give us a call at 941-3689 or toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And like if you didn't already know, we are live, so we're monitoring Twitter. You can find me at ByteMarks or at Hawaii. This is ByteMarks Cafe. Not everyone comes to HPR's website looking for program information. Some folks want to support the station but aren't quite sure how. Maybe you want to make a monetary contribution or maybe you want to contribute time as a volunteer but don't know what kind of work is needed. 
Well, if you go to hawaiipublicradio.org and click on Support HPR, you'll find links to all different kinds of involvement. The HPR website, it's just a click away. In HPR's Atherton studio on November 30th, Rick Smith and the Trailer Park Romeos plus special guests take you deep into the Delta Blues. Audience participation is encouraged here at the Atherton. That's Saturday, November 30th at 7.30 p.m. Tickets at 955-8821 during business hours or online at hprtickets.org. Welcome back to Bike Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today is John LeBlanc and Justin Hidani. And John is a veteran web technologist and South by Southwest Conference tech shift leader with deep background in music, television, and video production. Justin, meanwhile, is a web design and programmer, web designer and programmer with the University of Hawaii College of Education's Distance Course Design and Consulting Group. How is Word how has WordPress held up? In this world of Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr, we'd love to hear your questions and comments. And, of course, that number to call is 941-3689 on Oahu or from the neighbor islands at one 941 3689 John and Justin, we want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Hi, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us here. Well, let's start with John. And I want to ask you this. Uh, the biggest question I, I mean, I've been meaning to ask you is, is blogging dead? For me, definitely. I'm a terrible blogger. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's not the qu- that answer I expected. <laughs> nah, people are, people are uh, as capable as ever. There's tons of great tools out there, WordPress being certainly a big one of them. But I think that uh, we're really empowered now to get our voice out there globally in real time. And it's a powerful time in the world. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, as Bert mentioned in the, the intro, a lot of people say, well, you know, gee, personal publishing, telling a story, interacting with people, that's what Facebook is for. That's what Twitter is for. That's what uh, my daughter, her entire life is on Tumblr. Um, and the uh, a question is, you know, how relevant is WordPress in that in that context, or has it kind of gone beyond that already? Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about messaging. But I think that in terms of all of these other services that you're talking about, Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook, you're really just renting from somebody else. Whereas with a WordPress site hosted on your own domain, you're really you're staking out your own real estate, your own namespace, and that can last forever. What's stopping Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr from either shutting down or changing their link structure and taking all of those messages and conversations totally offline? That's true. And, you know, uh, although they are... Both uh, publicly traded companies, Facebook and Twitter, uh, they're still, you know, you still kind of wonder. I mean, with the fast-moving pace of the Internet and and, uh, uh, sites, are they going to be around? Right, absolutely. Now, Justin, um, we should make clear when we talk about WordPress, certainly it is a a software. It is an application that runs on the web. But for a lot of people, there is a version of WordPress that is like, say, Tumblr or any of these other platforms because you don't need to set up a server. You don't need to buy a domain and figure it all out. You could just go to a site called WordPress.com and just do it there. So what's the difference between, say, the, the... 
the ownable or the controllable version of WordPress and that one? Sure. Um, so WordPress.com is built on the platform, which is WordPress, which is a content management system. And it offers blogging solutions and sort of mini personal website solutions for individuals out there. So its main purpose is to allow individuals to kind of communicate with the general public. Um, WordPress.org is more for developers. So um, people like John and myself, we take uh, sort of an open source platform, which is WordPress, and uh, build websites out of them. And people use it in multiple uh, multiple ways. You can have apps, you can have you know informational websites. It's it's really whatever you want as a web developer. Now, uh, my day job is at a real estate uh, information firm, and in fact, one of the things that we do to help realtors advertise their services is by building sites, and recently, um, they all know about WordPress. They want to use WordPress, Um, but a lot of them have the question like, so I don't understand, you know, uh, I can understand paying for a designer, I can understand uh, helping with content, but how is WordPress free? Now, what's, what triggered this show is a show a couple of weeks ago about open source technology. But just briefly, when you, for example, uh, Justin, or with the Hidani Designs, <laughs> are helping a client and you say, look, the architecture of the system is free, uh, how do you make that make sense to them? Right. Um, and what it really comes down to is, yes, it's, it's less overhead for me. But ultimately, when you're talking with your clients or you're interacting with your customers, you really want to allow them to have the keys to the car, basically. And that's what WordPress allows you to do. It allows you to give them a way to manipulate their content without having to know any sort of programming or design. And a lot of people actually know what WordPress is, and they are kind of uh, familiar with the idea of content management systems. So uh, it usually isn't a problem when we're handling the discussion of costs and whatnot. Sure, sure. Now, uh, John, uh, I think it, it, it's, it's also kind of a question because there are other open source platforms. Um, I think Justin did mention it that one thing you benefit from WordPress is a lot of people can work with it. So it's not like you're using one person's proprietary custom code. And if that person gets hit by a bus, you're stuck. You can find other people that can work with WordPress. Certainly. And that's a major selling point for me is the sustainability factor. Because... I don't necessarily – who knows if I'm going to get hit by a bus tomorrow, like, as, as you mentioned. I hope not. Uh, yeah, you know. I mean, it's been a good run, but uh, I also don't want all of my clients to be dead in the water. And so uh, one of the things that Justin and I were talking about uh, before the show here was just the, uh, the ecosystem in you know, the WordPress culture, the, the, the developer community and the user community, and the fact that uh, there is a WordPress way of doing things. And if I want to hand a project off to somebody else – maybe be for affordability reasons, or maybe their needs are more design-oriented rather than engineering-oriented, which is what I'd take on, I can feel confident that the work that I'm handing off is easy for them to take it and run with it versus a custom application. They have to get into my coding philosophy. They have to understand the different components that I've used to build the product, whereas with WordPress, it's very easy for you to quickly get oriented, know what's in place, and then be able to further it. Additionally, because everything is so modular and things are broken into components, plugins and themes, those individual components can mature on their own without uh, convoluting the bigger picture. Mm-hmm, there's, mm-hmm. You know, there's a WordPress ecosystem that allows these various plugins to coexist without jumping on their toes of each other. And also when the updates come out, it's not going to blow everything up. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking to John LeBlanc, uh, independent uh, uh, developer and uh, WordPress expert, as well as uh, Justin Hidani, who works over at the uh, College of Education and also a WordPress expert. And if you are at the point in time when you want to launch your WordPress blog, but you have these questions that you want to 
ask, this is the time to call. And that, call, that number to call is 941-3689 or from the neighbor islands at one eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine. We want to welcome Peggy from Makiki to Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome to the show. Hi, Bert. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, I just wanted to call in and say I'm the only one that's taking your class that used WordPress. <laughs> Everybody else went to Tumblr, and it was, seems like Tumblr was so much easier. But I just want to say why I chose WordPress is because one of the uh, my friends uses WordPress, and so I thought, oh, it's going to be okay, and so forth. But I got into it, and the thing that I like about WordPress is I love the template because it had this chalkboard template that was teachery, and that was me. <laughs> so I, I really like that. But what was hard for me is there was really no documentation. And I didn't know how to get into the dashboard until you told me. You know, so one of the things I wish, and Justin, gosh, I wish I knew you were at UH because I would have called. <laughs> I would have called IT help desk. <laughs> but um, it, that was what was hard is I didn't find instructions or any kind of documentation. So I found the interface a little bit clunky for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I don't know what the solution is, and, but... It was funny that everybody else used Tumblr but me. Well, you know, I think uh, I, I, there's a there's a pattern here, and obviously, you know, especially if it's for a class or something. I mean, you know, people want to do the most easiest route <laughs> to get their <laughs> assignment completed. And and granted, Peggy, I think uh, uh, choosing the WordPress route might have been a little bit more involved, right? Because there is a dashboard, there there is some understanding of the you know, the templates and, and how you might want to construct a, uh, an actual blog. But, you know, doing a sort of a Tumblr version of a blog is, is so much, um, so easy because, I mean, all the templates are are pre-made for you, pre-designed for you, and then you pretty much uh, one click and uh, away you go. Well, John, I mean, this came up during our open source show, which a lot of people feel like uh, they – they're going to choose a software solution, but they've got to figure it out themselves. They feel lost. It's like, why would I build my own car if I can just go and buy a car? So what would you suggest for Peggy if she wanted to kind of learn a little bit more, kind of that that more gentler introduction to the system? Sure. Well, I'm actually a little bit surprised to hear that you've had issues finding documentation, Peggy. Uh, I mean, in order to get into your back, back end of either Tumblr or WordPress, you're going to have to go through a login screen. And initially, when you log in, it takes you right to the dashboard which actually has two locations where you can find help. Uh, there's a tab up in your top right that is your contextual help. It'll give you, you know, information about the current interface that you're on. And from that, uh, that little area, there are two links that take you right into the WordPress documentation. One is the WordPress Codex, which is a user-contributed documentation translated in a whole bunch of languages. It's a lot like a Wikipedia in that it's a wiki. It's a you know, community-contributed read-write documentation. And the second link is the forum, which is pretty well uh, categorized but also searchable where you can find any of the tens of millions of people that are using WordPress asking questions and getting answers uh, and additionally, not only is there that help link, but up on the top left of your dashboard, there's the charcoal gray admin bar, uh, assuming you're on uh, a computer and, and not a mobile device. And from there, you have links right into the codex, the documentation, and the forums as well. I think you know one of the major benefits of teaching WordPress, which is kind of the field that I've, I've fallen into, is that it's very easy to teach because the documentation is so good. So I'm a little bit surprised that it was it wasn't so obvious for you, but you know, for I think everybody is kind of a- attacking these tools with a, a you know different mindset. So, 
Um, well, uh, Peggy, first, I hope Bert gives you a good grade just because you chose WordPress. Uh, but uh, uh, yes, maybe Justin would also could be a resource at UH if you need a little more help. For sure. Yeah, so, uh, you know, lots of people out there are trying to work on their WordPress blogs, and they're calling in, and we want to welcome Flora from Kahalui, Kahalu to uh, Bite Bars Cafe. Welcome to the show. Hi, Bert. Hi. Um, the assignment you gave us was to find a client, so I found a real client, which is a, um, a nonprofit. And right now, they have different um, discrete, independent elements for getting their message out. Can we use WordPress.com? Uh, and I'm not a developer, you know. Sure. Not <laughs> I'm, many people. I'm a novice. But can we use WordPress.com to set up a website with a consistent um, logo and whatever and, and list um, all the different issues they're working on and use that website to push information out to uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, and I'm assuming that you're an expert on WordPress.org and uh, WordPress.com. Well, I think maybe I'll give Justin the chance to answer that one. Sure. Um, definitely uh, going with WordPress.com is the right choice in terms of I'm not a developer. I don't know uh, the back end of things. It's definitely the right way. And all of the things that you mentioned, you can totally do there. So kind of tying in our first caller with uh, this sort of topic, you want to make sure that as you approach the sort of themes, as you might have discovered in WordPress.com, you want to find themes that are well-supported, that give you the functionality that you want, and also, obviously, the display that you want, the logos, the, uh, the, the, the needs of the client. So WordPress.com will definitely work in that um, sort of uh, way for you. You also will be able to change the domain name. So it doesn't need to be a WordPress.com domain name like uh, Peggy.WordPress.com. It could be the actual business's uh, website and URL. So it will feel like a really professional site in the end. And um, it's the easiest way to explore as a non-developer. And I think one of the things to make clear is, you know, we I also use WordPress as a blogging platform, but people use it as a general site content management system. So, for example, if you have a nonprofit with four departments or four specialties, they could be pages on the site. They'd be in the navigation bar. Right. But what about the – I want to just post it here, but I want it to show up on on Facebook and Twitter automatically. Is that supported? Yeah, totally. There are a lot of ways to access sort of the content within your WordPress site, whether it be a .com or .org. Um, there's RSS streaming. There's JSON streaming for more advanced developing or development and also uh, information sharing. But you could totally post blog links. Everything is built into a permalink structure, so they'll have – permanent URLs in which you can access these things. Uh, and it, they could be a variety of uh, things of content, whether it be uh, an image, it could be a blog post, it could be a, a page itself. All of these things will work and function like a normal website out in the real world. Another tool that I like to introduce people to is a site called ifttt.com. If and this, it, then that. Exactly. If this, then that. And within if this, then that, it's a list of channels, which include triggers and actions. And what that means is you can set a trigger like every time I post a new post within WordPress under this category, mm-hmm. do this action. And the action can be syndicated out to Twitter or out to Facebook. Mm-hmm. And so ah. it allows you to create a high level of automation based on a single action. You can create these chain reactions that really uh, leverage that one post. And in, in you can take advantage of the audiences of Tumblr, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, and so on and so forth, just from this one action of publishing a post. Mm-hmm. Well, Does, thanks. Does that help you? 
Yes, because right now everybody has to get together. We have to put our laptops on the table. One person does Facebook, one person does Twitter, one person does, you know, uh, blog. And then somebody, you know, says, okay, we got to put out this particular message. And then everybody starts working away on their laptops. And I was just thinking to myself, is there something available that where we can just, you know, one person can do it. And I think you just gave us the answer about the high level of automation. Yes. Fantastic. Good. Great. <laughs> Give Thank me another one. That was a good one. <laughs> Thanks for your call. <laughs> Thanks, Floral. And uh, we also want to welcome uh, Kate from Moiliili to Bite Marsh Cafe. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good show, you folks. Thank um, you. I'm an H-Mouse member, and uh, just want to comment that uh, uh, what is his name that developed WordPress? All of a sudden, he's escaping me. Anyway, we got to bring him to town. Oh, that's yeah, right. I'm trying to think of how long ago that was. I remember. That was, uh, that was probably about maybe six years ago. I know it was over at UH at the uh, art uh, art department. Well, there was word. Yeah. There was a word camp. Uh, yeah, some time ago. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's been some time ago. Anyway, I was really impressed by uh, a young man of twenty four and uh, <laughs> being able to do all of this. So anyway, my question is, and um, it's sort of a blanket one because I've had a WordPress site for quite a while, but it's sort of languished. I'm going to bring it back up again. Good. Uh, how useful is WordPress on the iPhone? I've sort of gone in there and I've went, everything's too small, and I've left. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good question. Good question. Yeah. And I'm going to hang up and listen if okay. you don't mind. Okay, Justin's ready to, ready to answer that. <laughs> and thank you for your call. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Kate. So, um, Kate, uh, in terms of what WordPress offers, it's a content management system. So in terms of the actual output of that content, so the display, the design of it, all of that is handled by uh, common elements like HTML and CSS that we use in the general web. So um, WordPress can work on any site for anyone for any purpose. In that sense, you can essentially make that text bigger for you um, in in your update or your refresh and not have to worry about if WordPress is going to be the right solution for you. Well, she also mentioned the mobile app and uh, I, I can imagine that when you're not used to that interface you would you might say well how can I blog on my phone it's so tiny sure. uh, 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 John um, there's also like accessibility settings on an iPhone so you can make everything bigger if that's what it's going to come down to correct yeah well I'm actually just firing up the app now and and uh, it just notified me there's an update available that I didn't apply <laughs> I should have I should have been more prepared um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, in, in my in my previous experience with the app, it it wasn't quite as full featured as the dashboard on your computer. I think the one thing that stood out to me before, and this may have changed since then, uh, there, the rich text editor wasn't happening on the iPhone app yet. So right, you're still looking at HTML, yeah, yeah. and uh, and one of the things that I that I that I love to tell people is that you can publish a site without even knowing how to spell HTML with WordPress, mm. which I think is important. And I mean, I started building sites in the '90s where. We were hand-coding all this stuff. Yep, the tools were absolutely. not great. The browsers were very much at war. And so I really appreciate the fact that people can be empowered and they can be creative writers without having to get into that coding world because it really takes you out of your creative space. Yeah, you know, and uh, there was a time when I, I tried WordPress on my iPad. And uh, even, you know, I mean, iPad a little bit bigger. You know, you could actually blog on an iPad, but I still like to do it from my laptop. Uh, we want to encourage you to Get your calls in because I think uh, as we go into our break, uh, we will have another opportunity to ask the experts here about uh, any WordPress question that you might have. We want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue to continue our conversation with John LeBlanc and Justin Hidani 
about helping to create compelling websites. Besides blogs, what are some of the unique sites that people have created with WordPress? We'd, of course, love to hear your ideas. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. You're listening to Bite Marks Cafe. In an age so focused on standards of learning and measuring learning outcomes, one scholar says our primary objective should simply be wisdom. What are we doing in higher education if we are not trying to raise up people with the power of judgment that can at least attempt to do justice to the complexity of life? I'm Sarah McConnell. Join me for With Good Reason, Thursdays at 6.30 on Hawaii Public Radio. Hi, it's Lynn Rosetto-Casper. This week, we are setting you up to feast in style. From a Mexican-style turkey to a great vegetarian menu, selecting the right wine, and an absolutely goof-proof pie crust. We have got you covered. That's The Splendid Table from APM. Saturday morning at 9, following weekend edition. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. We're talking to John LeBlanc and Justin Hadani about WordPress and tips and tricks. And what are some good support resources for WordPress? You know, we kind of talked about this a little earlier. And over the course of the last, you know, several years, I think it's increased quite a bit. And, of course, we are waiting for your calls. You can call us at 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. we got a couple of... Uh, uh, tweets that we wanted to report back out to you. Jade Moon, thanks for uh, tweeting. She has a solution to the how-to, which is to watch some how-to videos. And and if you have a question about how to get started, I guess those uh, how, how-to videos are pretty uh, useful in, in getting a step-by-step um, instruction on how to get your WordPress site started up. Uh, we want to also welcome uh, um, Mel from uh, Honolulu to Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome to the show. Hey, hello. How's it? All right. I, I got a question for the word, um, WordPress expert. Okay. Um, I do blogging on both Blogger, which is from Google, and WordPress, and I have WordPress.com, and I have my two WordPress blogs also on my own domains, so mm. posted on my own site. And on both WordPresses, I've noticed that Certain HTML embed types like Flickr slideshows or music embeds don't work in WordPress, but they work in Blogger. Why is this? That's a great question. And I think even embeds for YouTube sometimes doesn't work. Yeah, right. Yeah. So experts, can you help Mel out? Um, I mean, the answer to that is that it should. And it really depends on the developers, um, how they construct their themes or their plugins that allow you to interact with the HTML, the CSS, and the JavaScript. So it could be uh, the theme is not updated. It's not compatible with the latest version of WordPress. There are a lot of varying options out there that... um, uh, could affect the output of embed codes, um, things that may work in other things like Facebook embeds. Um, a lot of that has to deal with just compatibility with the theme, the embeds themselves, and the um, the WordPress its uh, framework. Well, I uh, think it, it's also a matter of the hosted versus the independent one because uh, those embeds, as great as they are to have your your fl- your Facebook stream right there on your site, um, when you're using certain methods to display content from another site, security settings might prevent you from doing that. And I know know that a lot of people that we work with uh, who use WordPress.com, for example, cannot use embed codes. Well, you know, one thing you want to take a look at, Mel, is just do a quick Google search for WP space embeds. 
Okay. WordPress yeah. has a concept of O-embed. And what O-embed is a protocol that allows sites that have embeddable content to dynamically provide a player for that piece of content. So if you check out the codex page for embeds, which is the, the search result that you'll get, you'll see that supported providers will allow you to just put in the URL of the actual piece of content and the player will be built by WordPress for you. When you're editing content within the WordPress dashboard, you're usually doing it within the rich text er area. The rich text editor is uh, powered by a component, open source component called TinyMCE. And it's really designed to keep you out of trouble. Well, I, I, I go to the HTML you know, um, option and I put the embed in. And then when I go back to the other one and then I either publish the file or preview it, I just get short code or, mm, or yeah, nothing. I see, I you know? I so, mean, the embed so, just doesn't show up. Totally. It's quite it, frustrating. Well, that's actually by design because yeah. what the MC, a tiny MCE editor is doing is it's trying to make sure that you're not putting in HTML code that might open you up to exploits. Yeah, Things like iframes yeah. and embeds and object tags. So what you really want to do instead is explore these uh, embed O-embed uh, providers and rather than putting in HTML into that text area, which may be sanitized later, and, yeah. and and exploded. Try to use one of these O embed uh, enabled providers. Yeah, well, if, these are these are just you know codes that I grab from you know like Flickr, and 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 you know they say embed this. They just grab the code and stick it in there. Sure. And Theoretically, it works because it should work. No, nope. because it works on Blogger, but it doesn't work on WordPress. Well, you know, it's 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 actually by design that it's not working. Flickr yeah. is an O embed uh, capable yeah. provider. So instead of putting in an embed code, instead of putting in HTML, simply put in the URL of that Flickr item that you want to okay. show. All right. And you'll see that it'll yeah. build the player for you. The other benefit of that using O embed rather than the embed codes is that. Within certain situations, particularly in the case of video, is you don't want to be limited to that one particular piece of code because that's A, going to change in the future, but B, it needs to be dependent on the platform that is accessing that page. So if somebody is coming to see your video on a mobile device, a very different player is going to be rendered than somebody that's yeah, visiting I, that I player that on, a, on a desktop iOS device. broke some of those embeds. <laughs> right, right. So if you use the O-embed protocol, it'll yeah. serve up the right player for the right device with the, you know, for the right bandwidth, okay. serving the content from the closest data center, giving you the best quality of service. Well, thank you very much, Mel, for that call. That's Absolutely. a lot of good information, John. That's a great. I love it. Sorry, are we out of time? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. We got, we In got fact, if you've got a question, you can still give us a call, 941-3689, or from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Justin, uh, we talked about embeds. I mean, I love that we got very geeky there, and it's basically Sorry. you kind of know. I love it. I love it. <laughs> love it. Always great. And I actually have the same issue because I love Flickr, but I was using their old embed codes, and mm -hmm. then when Marissa Meyer went in there, she decided to shuffle everything, and half of that stuff is broken now. Um, so... Using something that's universal, like a like an open platform, um, is always better. Did you just call out your colleague on public radio? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, Justin, you know, when we're talking about ways to make a WordPress site interesting, embeds is one of them. Like, I want to just automatically show my YouTube videos, automatically show my Twitter posts. You know, so maybe I don't even need to update my blog anymore. I just do all this stuff everywhere else, and it shows up on my site. Uh, is that a reasonable approximation, a reasonable way to use a WordPress site? For sure. And I think it really comes back to the developers that are doing the themes and the plugins for the individuals out there that aren't really developers themselves. So they're allowing people to embed things or allowing people to create things that are dynamically generated. That's something only a programmer would do. But all you have to do is click a button, you know, install this plugin, install this theme, and you, you have this site that does the functionality that you need. So when it comes down to 
you know, these people have these sites that are they're older and they want to upgrade them. They want to do all these fancy things with Flickr and whatnot. It's really about finding those developers out there um, and those communities, really, that can give you a solid product based on the themes and the plugins that are available. Now, you know, when uh, you're getting in, you know, into the uh, choice of a content management system and, and you know, you, maybe you're thinking about WordPress, uh, but it's not really a blog that you want to put together, right? You want to maybe put together something that's more of a, a magazine kind of format, or maybe it's for a business, or maybe, you know, maybe you have uh, just a, a, a basic, almost like a static page that you want to create. How does one go about finding that right theme? I just think that there's so many themes out there, uh, and, the, and the themes that they do provide as part of the default doesn't include those kinds of sort of specialty themes. How would you guys suggest you know, you go out and find a, a theme like maybe a magazine theme or a good, you know, a static uh, theme. Sure. I think it comes back to um, what, how comfortable you are with WordPress itself. So for um, all the beginners out there that are just sort of brushing the, the top area of WordPress, um, definitely go with a theme that, you know, looks good, is com- you're comfortable with that look, and it also provides the functionality that you need. And a lot of themes will describe what it does, what it will come with. And then um, kind of what John and I were talking about earlier is you go 80% of the way you find uh, a good theme, good set of plugins to create your website and go about building the page that you want. And for those little minor tweaks that you just don't know how to do, you you find someone like John and I and you contact us and we can help you out with that. And uh, just like, and I think this is true on Tumblr, for example, a lot of platforms, themes, you know, the the design, the look and feel, uh, a lot of people can spend a lot of time shopping for them. In fact, for my blog, though, I used the one that that was the default for WordPress way back then, and I still have it in place. And yes, there are still blogs that kind of look exactly the same because my interest is more in the content. But uh, John, you can even go to commercial theme sources, and they even have their own frameworks that do also special things that their customers have specifically asked for. Yeah, you absolutely can. And, and there's a lot of theme marketplaces out there will, that allow you to get into a custom theme for you know twenty to fifty dollars, which is you know half an hour of a professional's billable time. So you're getting a really good foundation. From there, you can do that that little bit of customization. There are two things that I want to sort of caution people about. One one is beware of a theme that provides too much functionality. How do you know it provides too much functionality? Well, if the feature list is yeah. 10 pages long. Yeah, I because uh, ideally, a theme isn't supposed to be providing your functionality. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be providing your paint job, your curtains, mm-hmm. your you know your 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 carpeting you know not not providing things like calendars and uh you know order you know intake and that sort of thing and the reason is is that if you're building your entire site around a theme it limits your ability to move to another theme so what you're better off doing is finding all the functionality that you need for your site within plugins and then just using the theme for the look and feel and and i think that's really one of the major powers of wordpress is it does a really good job of separating the three departments that you need for a successful website. And this is something that you'll see in other platforms. Joomla and Drupal also do it well. By keeping all the functionality contained within plugins, all of the look and feel and templates based within, uh, look and feel based in templates or themes, and then all of the messaging, all of the content, all of the business positioning, your voice within the dashboard, within you know, the content editing uh, interface. And so when you have a theme that has all of this functionality, a couple things happen is, one, you don't have the portability. You can't just give it a facelift and keep the same functionality. But also, a lot of those components won't be as well maintained as they would be if they were individual plugins 
that were right. supported by developers that are focusing solely on that plugin. And some, uh, you know, so, and I think that's probably one of the areas of improvement that, that I think WordPress is looking at or the WordPress community is looking at more by doing things like publishing the theme guidelines on the codex and uh, really building uh, an ecosystem where um, – well, people are more aware of this, and rather than having all this functionality baked into the theme code, right. when the theme is activated, it says, hey, there's a bunch of uh, plugins that work really well with this theme. Do you want to install them now? And that's great because then the theme works in concert with right. all of this functionality, but those theme developers, who are usually more design-oriented and less engineering-oriented, they're not on the hook to support those mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Uh, you know, we're talking to John LeBlanc, uh, independent web developer, and Justin Hidani from the College of Education over at University of Hawaii, and they're both WordPress experts just dying to give you some advice on how to implement your favorite WordPress uh, theme and, and uh, <laughs> CSS. But in order for you to ask that question, you have to give us a call, and the number is 941-3689, or from the neighbor islands at one eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine. We have Jeff from Honolulu. Thanks for calling uh, Bite Marks Cafe. Hello. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm calling because I, I'm a musician. Uh, my name is Jeff Peterson, and I have a, a website that's really wonderful using WordPress. Uh, I'm able to sell CDs. Uh, People can stream music and video on the site, and I've also developed uh, sheet music that people can download. Also, my calendar through uh, widgets from other sites that I can update easily that are all incorporated. Uh, And I had a question. If I wanted to have – I teach music, and so I have students. And so if I wanted students to be able to subscribe to the site and get particular lessons that I would publish – is there a way to do something like that where content could be downloaded just by certain people, perhaps with a code? Oh, I see. Um, so if they're a subscriber, a paying subscriber, like a, like a paywall. And uh, this is jeffpetersonguitar.com. It is beautiful. Jeffpetersonguitar.com is my site. Wow. So, Justin, uh, how would you use a WordPress site to sell content? Right. Um, so you're already selling stuff over there. I think you just need to add a layer of uh, user roles and permissions, basically saying that if someone registers or signs up for your site, that they are they have the ability to go ahead and grab a certain set of, of uh, maybe lessons. So you might have a basic lesson uh, set and an advanced lesson set. You can create different roles for these users. And based on how they sign up and I guess how much they might pay for those particular sets, allow them to access the content in sort of a segregated manner. Yeah, I, I would also say there's probably plugins that would help you do this very quickly, but I I can see that what Justin is saying is people can sign up for your blog just to comment. They'll be in your system. You can create graduated uh, levels of of access and then say, well, after you've paid or if you're a student of mine and I know who you are, I'll elevate you to the next level that can see this content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jeff, I'd recommend two particular plugins. One is if you want to maintain membership levels, check out the S2 member plugin. It's S, the number two member. I think it's s2member.com. It's, uh, I think WebSharks uh, is the name of the company that puts it out. It's a really great uh, plugin that allows you to define a number of different themes. Uh, I'm sorry, a number of different user levels that all have their own set of capabilities. And you can uh, have payment gateways that are uh, you know, using authorized.net or PayPal Pro or even the free version. You can do regular standard PayPal. And then once they 
you register or pay, then they are able to log in and you can direct them to a, a member's page where they have just the content they need. It also includes a bunch of short codes that allow you to show content conditionally based on the level of the current user. Um, also, you might want to take a look at easy digital downloads if you don't want to create recurring memberships, but just as a way for people to download and not download too much. Excellent. Yep. And uh, thanks, Jeff, for calling. We got Daniel from Ever Beach. Uh, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for taking my call. I just have a quick, actually, a, a request. And I want to preface it by saying I'm not trying to advertise anything or myself on the radio tonight. But I created a one-page uh, resume web page. I purchased a domain from one of the large uh, uh, companies online. And uh, for a dollar a month, I, I get a one-page website. Sure. And that website is dh.resume. And all I want to know is, from your panel there, is if you recommend that type of approach to to a, a re- resume, uh, or is there some other avenues I can approach, and I'll take it off the air. Thank you. Excellent question. Now, uh, I, I know people, when they buy a, a domain name, they try they get sold the services that the registrar provides, but that would be, I wouldn't recommend that because the registrar's primary focus and skill is not in doing websites. So if somebody wanted a one-page resume to show off their stuff, Justin, what would you say they should do? I would say there are definitely options out there. And actually, the one-page resume that's the most popular is LinkedIn. You know, you would, mm-hmm. with scales of economy, you really want to offload the things that you're not good at. If web, website building is not your thing, look out for those services that do a good job of doing that. You don't want to go, uh, go out and create your own Twitter. You don't want to create your your own resume builder. Look for the things that are out there that are doing it. Um, so I, I wouldn't say WordPress would be my first solution to solve the resume problem. Something like LinkedIn. Um, there's a bunch of different sites that about offer various. Me. About me. About me is a big mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And Jerome, there are, uh, uh, sorry, John, there are uh, themes that are like one page portfolios, for example. Certainly. In fact, there's a, uh, I actually see a commercial uh, WordPress theme right now that is responsive, which means that it degrades nicely, or not degrades, but it adapts nicely mm-hmm. to smaller screen devices that, uh, you know, has a place for your headshot. And it's pretty nicely designed where you don't have to get into the code and create a bunch of HTML. You can just upload your picture, put in your information, and, and it, it does a pretty good job. Well, we are out of time, but obviously people want help. So, uh, uh, John, first of all, where can someone learn more about WordPress? Well, uh, WordPress.org has all the links, all the resources you need. Additionally, if you're a more visual learner, WordPress.tv has some great video content. A lot Mm -hmm. of it is pulled from the various WordCamps, which are the... Uh, the WordPress-based meetups that happen all over the world. And you're teaching and, classes at uh, Pacific New Media? Yeah, I definitely encourage you to check out the course catalog at uh, the Outreach College at University of Hawaii, Pacific New Media. Uh, it's outreach.hawaii.edu. There's a lot of great programs there, including uh, the classes that I teach, which are WordPress-based theme development, e-commerce solutions, and the advanced WordPress. And there's also photography and, and graphic design and a ton of other things there. It's a great program. Justin, where can people find out where, you, uh, where you're at? Uh, you can find me at uh, DCDC, which is uh, hosted at hawaii.edu forward slash COE forward slash DCDC or hedonidesign.com. Um, uh, we primarily do online courses there, but there are a lot of help options out there for individuals looking to improve their WordPress experience. And I find that there are, there are multiple blogs, people doing uh, things on Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange that can answer your questions should you need them. Okay, sounds good. John LeBlanc is an independent web technologist, and Justin Hidani creates websites for UH's distant, Distance Course Design and Consulting Group. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. 
And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about recent announcements about Earth-sized exoplanets. One of our favorite topics, of course, you know, exoplanet pollution. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on BiteMarksCafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, email us at feedback at BiteMarksCafe.org. And, of course, you can also find us on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And we leave you with our short song pick of the week. Here's a band called Summer Aviation, a song called Thrust. See you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.